0: In 2006, Congress passed a law in an attempt to crack down on illegal online sports betting, but with the booming popularity and economic promise of fantasy sports, sites like DraftKings and FanDuel, it's obvious there were ways to get around what Congress intended. Why have these sites been left untouched, and how are they allowed to operate, and what does the law actually say? Well, joining us on today's Please Explain are Walt Bogdanich and James Glanz, investigative journalists for the New York Times, who are part of a team that, along with the PBS series Frontline, investigated the business and technology of illegal gambling on the Internet age. The first article in their New York Times series is called Cash drops and keystrokes—the dark reality of sports betting and daily fantasy games. You can find a link to it on our show page at wnyc.org. I'm very pleased to welcome them both back to our show today. Hello. 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 Then. And I invite uh, our listeners to join the conversation during these please explain segments. You can call us at two one two four three three nine six nine two. You can write to us on our show page at wnyc.org or on Facebook or Twitter where I handle this at Leonard Lopate. So what, what prompted Congress to pass that act in 2006?
1: Well, members of Congress were worried that young people uh, suddenly had access to uh, gambling on their laptops and on their computers. Some have called it's like you have a casino in your lap. And young people are risk takers um, and they were the most vulnerable population to develop uh gambling problems and so this was an attempt to to stop you know internet gambling, put some you know brakes on it uh, but not only for young people but for others who were engaging in illegal gambling with offshore uh, websites
0: uh, Jim wasn't the legislation lacked onto a attacked onto a bill uh, about port safety? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It, it was, doesn't uh, seem to be much of a connection.
2: And then some of the legislators at the time pointed that out. But it was a way to get it through. And uh, a lot of people said afterward they weren't really sure what they'd even voted on.
0: Mm. Now, you
2: um,
0: your investigation found this law to be a
2: spectacular failure, as you call it. Why?
1: Well, it didn't stop Internet gambling and, in fact, gave birth to this multibillion-dollar fantasy sports industry, so you know at its very basic level, it failed
0: have they these uh these different uh, fantasy sites like Draftkings thrived as a result of the the law
2: well a couple of things happened. one, there was a carve out in the law which said that uh games of Skill were permitted, and that was understood to be fantasy sports at the time. But at the time... But no money involved. Yeah, you could bet money. But but at the time, the way fantasy worked was you picked players at the beginning of the season and then you settled up at the end. Now it's a daily operation that much more closely resembles ordinary gambling, and that's one reason it's being reassessed. How do
0: sites like DraftKings and FanDuel work? I I see their ads on television, but uh, as somebody who doesn't participate... I, I'm totally clueless
1: as to how it all works. First off, they are the number one uh, television advertiser um, in the, in the run-up to the NFL season. Their ads were running almost one, one every minute and a half. They're signing up 30,000 people a day. The way it works is you, you pick a fantasy team. You look at real players, you look at their statistics, and, and you assemble your team, and then you compete against others who have assembled a team. And the outcome is based on their statistical performance in actual games.
0: And I'm sure a lot of people who play something similar uh, with friends or in their offices now are tempted because those ads also say you can win a lot of money.
2: Yeah, exactly, and that's, I think, the concern from people who look at uh, gambling addiction, Uh, as Walt said, the um, vulnerable uh, population, which is often young men, looking at those uh, ads and and thinking, well, I can make a million bucks, too.
0: Do you have to be a certain
1: age to participate?
2: Well, there aren't. uh, One of the, the, the
1: interesting aspects of this is that unlike casinos and racetracks and other legal gambling, there's no regulation of this. And so, Really, there's, you know, people can, if they want to bet, they'll find a way to bet no matter what their age is. An 8-year-old could want to do Conceivably. And it's it's mostly football? Are there any other sports involved? Oh, it's, it's, it's everything. It's baseball. It's... It's cricket. I mean, it's, it, you can bet pretty much on anything oh, I've always now wanted to days. bet on cr- cricket. <laughs> NASCAR <laughs> N- Yeah, N- NASCAR, boxing. Um, it's, uh, I- and, and some of the fantasy companies are trying to take their operation overseas, and that's where cricket would come in in and, and, uh, sports that aren't that familiar to us here.
0: How much money can someone win?
2: Well, you know, we only have their statistics to go by, uh, and um, they regularly advertise million-dollar winners. I think the statistics, though, um, show that a tiny percentage of the players actually make money. Uh, it's something between 1% and 2% make something like 90% of the money. So uh, it's buyer beware.
0: Is it the same as
2: uh, going to Las Vegas where the house has the edge? There's a there's a, a cut. Obviously, that's how these companies make their money, um, but um, in, in large measure, it is like uh, your living room writ large. Everybody throws money into the pot, and then that money comes out, but of course, somebody keeps some of that money. That's the operator.
0: Do the two big sites have competitors, uh, and why
1: would somebody choose one over the other? Well, some are more specialized than, say, daily fantasy sports games. Um, they all have their own unique presentation. And, yes, they do have major competitors who are seeing all this money rolling in, and they want a piece of it. And, w- I mean, we found some really weird operators. The whole idea of this being legal is that, as Jim pointed out, that this is a game of skill, not luck. And yet we found one operator and reported on it who they were going to pick the teams for the people, take the work out of it. That yeah. side? side? <laughs> yes. Yes. They uh, allow people to
0: participate in fantasy leagues, even if they don't know anything about sports. That's right. You so that, that's obviously saying you want to gamble. Well, let they will pick team A or team B, and you take your pick. Why is online sports betting so hard to regulate?
2: Uh, it is illegal uh, in five states, isn't it? Well, don't let's not mix up fantasy sports and online sports betting uh, okay they resemble each other increasingly but online sports betting is almost entirely illegal in the United States uh, and Nevada is an exception uh, and, and uh, that's that's pretty much it but in in that case you have n- sort of nominally overseas websites that keep the books and then you have guys on the street who run a shadow banking system here. And they settle up the bets at the end of every week or every month. And that's very hard to stamp out because part of it is overseas, at least, at least nominally overseas.
1: I, and it's just hard to regulate the Internet. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's a virtual impossibility. Does this grow out of online poker playing? It is a result of it. When they shut down online poker playing, fantasy really took off. How does the popularity of fantasy sports betting uh, sites compare to the popularity of, of casinos, well, um, they're not fully—they're not public companies, so we don't know exactly what what they're they're pulling in and how many people are betting. Um, uh, you know, so I—I I, I guess I, don't, I can't answer that question.
2: Yeah, yeah, the best estimates are that illegal online gambling far exceeds. Fantasy gambling, which in turn is probably bigger than the legal gambling, but as as Walt said, the the numbers aren't uh, solid on that.
0: And several of the company representatives and patrons that you interviewed refused to call themselves employees of a gambling company and opted for words like entertainment, skill, investment.
1: Well, yeah, I mean they they that the reason they're able to continue and pull in in money is because they say they're not gambling. And, in fact, they instructed one of the young men who we interviewed for the story not to use the word gambling because you know, that would get them in trouble.
0: Well, since um, DraftKings uh, has a partnership with the World
1: Series of Poker, poker is a skilled thing, isn't it? Well, it's skilled, like horse racing skilled. I mean, there's skill in a lot of things. Um, But uh, poker, I think most people would would agree, and in fact it's been classified as gambling um, and regulated as such. Um, And yet there was this partnership, which has since been severed, between um, DraftKings and the World Series of Poker, where if you win enough at at, uh, at, uh, DraftKings and their fantasy games, they will give you a $10,000 seat at the, the World Series of Poker.
0: My guests are Walt Bogdanich and James Glanz. We're talking about uh, some of the things that they have revealed in their article for the New York Times called Cash Drops and Keystrokes, the Dark Reality of Sports Betting and Daily Fantasy Games. And we invite your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Bob from Brooklyn, hi, you're on the air.
3: Yes, thanks for taking my call. So I'm, I happen to be a clinical social worker. <clears throat> I've treated compulsive gambling. And uh, I w- first I'd like to say that if a drug was trying to come uh, through all of its trials to be uh, put on the market, uh, if there was as much trouble uh, in terms of causing severe problems with the drug as there is in gambling, I don't think uh, it would be allowed on the market. And then in addition, gambling cr- has... a uh, certain iatrogenic effect in other words uh, there are people who would not ordinarily get into trouble but get pulled into the syndromal <clears throat> and neurochemical feedback loop of gambling and then we have uh, we have an illness that that comes out of that just like if you went to uh, to a hospital to have some some necessary surgery and came back with hepatitis there are people who are predisposed we kind of know the numbers and uh, and I think it's really a a very problematic thing that states don't or the federal government don't ban most aspects of gambling and, in addition, don't license most aspects of gambling.
0: So can we say that uh, what we're talking about here is kind of like the entry level, the entry drug for gambling? Because people might uh, start off doing this without thinking that they're gambling?
1: Particularly young people and they read and they see on the television people saying that this is not gambling because that's what the law says. And so what's the harm? It's a game. It's fun. You know, a little bit of money here. And what we're finding is that a lot of these young people begin gambling this way and they end up, when they get in trouble, stealing money from their parents. And then the parents aren't going to call the police. And, So it is, as you point out, an entry point for possibly developing a real problem.
0: And one young man in your video said that he wants to do this for a living after college.
2: Well, we'll see how that turns out. But um, that's an example of the the companies uh, putting forth just the successful players, right? Let's hear from some of the other folks. Well, we see see that
0: in that commercial. Somebody says, I won. I can't remember how much money he won. (laughs) but um, it's it sounds impressive it sounds like everybody can win
1: yeah they make it sound exciting and and it is and people have this obsession with sports and obsession with sports statistics and they're tapping into that and uh, and and the 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 sports pro sports teams are really profiting hugely off this because it 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 kind of forces people to watch games that they wouldn't normally watch.
0: I thought that uh, professional sports try to discourage gambling.
1: Well, they do illegal gambling, but they're profiting hugely off of fantasy sports because they have convinced themselves this isn't gambling.
0: NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said on Wednesday that uh, he'd like to see federal regulation of daily fantasy operations, even though he
1: he has a, a partnership with FanDuel. Well, all the teams have partnerships just about. Um, and so they want more people watching games. And when more people watch games, you know, they can uh, sell advertising and get more money. We'll
0: take a little break here. And when we come back, I want to find out why the FBI has uh, begun an inquiry into fantasy sports online, um, what prompted their investigation. But before we get to it, you suggested earlier that many of these gambling sites uh, are actually technically based offshore. So, does the government actually have much control? Is this like pirate radio?
2: It's it's kind of a Darwinian uh, story. They've found out that if they keep their money guys on the street here, but back it up with technology overseas, it becomes very hard to stamp out. You can take you can take off as as we say uh, you know part of the uh, organism, but it'll grow back. Um, We've also found, though, that they found ways to bring their digital presence into the United States sort of under the noses of law enforcement, and that was part of our our reporting. The
0: the Internet allows for all of this kind of thing. You can set up an office in Liechtenstein and um, look like you're an American corporation.
2: It's true, but part of what we found is that the modern Internet with very graphics-intensive applications you actually need to be fairly close to your customers, and that's an increasing weakness of these uh, rings. They've got to be where the people who are betting are.
1: A point of clarification, just to make sure listeners understand, that what Jim was describing with these offshore uh, uh, websites, that isn't fantasy sports, just to be clear. That's just illegal online gambling.
0: We'll take a little break and come back with more from Walt Bogdanich and James Glanz, uh, who write for The New York Times... Their article, Cash Drops and Keystrokes, the Dark Reality of Sports, Betting, and Daily Fantasy Games, um, was in the New York Times, part of a series, and it also will be linked to a PBS series on Frontline. And we are inviting your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WMIC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. it. We are back with Wolf Bogdanovich uh, and James Glanz. Uh, their article, they, well, you're doing a series of articles in the Times? We are. The first one was Cash Drops and Keystrokes, the Dark Reality of Sports Betting and Daily Fantasy Games. There'll also be a frontline uh, show dealing with this. Uh, so are you just scratching the surface with the first article?
1: I think so. I mean, there's a lot to report. And, uh, I mean, we we have plans to do more, but as we do reporting, we're finding more and more information. The
0: FBI has begun an
1: inquiry into Fantasy Sports Online. What prompted that investigation? Well, it uh, became known that one of the officials of DraftKings had uh, obtained betting information that was not public. And there was a question about whether he used that information to make bets on the rival site, which is permitted. So you had a DraftKings guy betting at FanDuel, and F- FanDuel allowed their people to bet at DraftKings. Now that has since stopped, but there was a question about whether he had used that, and they denied it. And uh, are, are you talking about Matthew Butcho? Yeah. Uh, well, he's, he's
0: uh, somebody who helps assess the value of athletes, I think at FanDuel, so he would have some kind of inside information. How would that be any different... If he's betting, then insider trading.
1: If he's using that information um, well, to he? bet, well, I, mean, <laughs> I guess that's what the, the FBI is. I totally ignore find out. what I learned in my job <laughs> when I bet.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one of the one of the other connections that we found in the story uh, was that um, Baccio previously worked at uh, Pinnacle Sports, which is one of the online betting sites, and that was sort of sort of the point. Being poker is another one. A lot of connections between these two worlds.
0: And uh, the, do the the uh, the
1: sites encourage that kind of activity? I don't think anymore.
2: It's kind <laughs> of like a bonus.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think they do anymore because they've gotten a lot of heat because of it. This was really the scandal, quote-unquote, that everybody expected to happen because the, the industry is unregulated. Robert on Twitter asks, how do the sports fantasy companies make money? They don't just yet. Because they spend it all on advertising, that's why everywhere you go, you see their ads. they're just trying to they're in a in a war um, with each other. Who can spend more, who can get more customers and And I think with the idea being at some point it'll settle down and they'll be able to bank profits. But my understanding with these private companies is that they haven't yet uh, achieved a profit.
0: As part of your investigation, you set off to investigate whether or not these sites use servers that exist on American soil. How do you do that, and why is that important?
2: Yeah, well, that was a a new feature we sort of brought to the reporting. Um, You can look at the Internet addressing system itself. You know, it's magic to most people. But if you go in and and, um, look at the databases that the Internet itself uses to find where – You know, you go when you type in PinnacleSports.com or where you go go when you type in some uh, other domain name, you can actually find an address, a street address. And we traced them back and uh, made a few phone calls. And in one case, well, there were two cases where we found uh, sites being hosted in New Jersey, contacted the uh, owner of the hosting site. Those sites were taken down. And we also contacted one of the most reputable companies on the Internet, um, a so-called content delivery network. It delivers the content for these websites. Uh, within about a day after uh, our informing them, they took those sites down. These uh, were I illegal know. sites. But
0: I, I suspect they just moved to another location. They did. <laughs> <laughs> they're not gone.
1: No, they're not gone, as far as we can tell.
0: Now, what, does it matter whether they're in close to New York and New Jersey or whether they're in, uh, in Casper, Wyoming?
2: Yeah, it does matter. Uh, Everybody on the Internet, sort of it's thought of as a magical thing where a site is everywhere and nowhere, but as it turns out, uh, providers that is websites sort of have to be close to their customers. Otherwise, it takes too long for that information to get to you. And, and people are unforgiving now. You know, it takes a fraction of a second for a website to come up. They won't use it. So in order to make that uh, time be as short as possible, they actually need servers near the customers.
1: And, and what that does is it opens them up to possibly being uh, implicated in facilitating illegal gambling. Because if they are actually caching information or storing it in the United States and making it possible for illegal websites, to gambling sites to operate, then they are exposing themselves to legal uh, risk.
0: I suspect that we have a fair number of listeners right now who have done this at one point or another. And uh, I invite your calls at 212-433-9692. I promise you, we won't ask you to become a member. You just um, participate in our conversation as we do every time we have these. Please explain segments two one two four three three nine six nine two. You can write to us on our show page at wnyc.org, or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. You found that online payments are not the only transactions that occur when it comes to internet betting. You liken what goes on to an old-fashioned shadow banking system. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, you still have to settle up. I mean, money is still money. And it's hard to move money on the wire these days uh, and not get caught, that is, with a bank transaction. Or a credit card. So how do you do it? Well, you get an army of guys with sacks of cash on the street, and uh, you know the opening photo in that story was a sack of three hundred and fifty thousand dollars passing on Fifth Avenue, and it's not that uncommon. They don't just send you a check. (laughs) You know, uh, maybe you're good for it, Leonard. I don't know. You know, it depends uh, on how high a role you are, but. Uh, this is the way the whole thing works. sometimes it 'll be um a stack of casino chips uh gold coins. It can be real estate. We found all sorts of examples.
0: You report that one offshore sports betting company helped a reporter fund an illegal wagering account and then later explained
1: that the transaction would look like a clothing purchase on his credit card statement right we One of our reporters who joined us in this uh in this investigation bet repeatedly on on sites. And and this one, which was based in Panama, actually instructed him on how to do it, uh, which is illegal, and told him that when, you know, he deposited money on the sports book, that it would be recorded on his credit card as a purchase of work clothes, safety gear. And uh, I called up this number that was listed on his credit card, and I said, uh, can I buy some work clothes here? And they said, uh, no, we don't sell work clothes. <laughs> we we work for the online gaming companies. What's Moser's safety? It's allegedly a worker, you know, a, a work clothes, work gear company, uh, which, in fact, it isn't. In fact, as far as we can tell, doesn't exist. Let's take a call from
0: Chris from Princeton.
1: You're on the air.
3: Hi, how are you? Okay. Um, So my question actually has to do with you, you did bring up the magic of the Internet before, Uh, so my question has to do with data sovereignty. Uh, Are the sites um, governed by state law, where where the servers reside in the state, or is there a federal law that blankets the United States, wherever your servers are in the United States?
2: Both both answers are correct. Um, In prosecutions of gambling rings, you'll see um, uh, state agencies and federal agencies acting together. Generally, the law that's uh, applied will be a federal law, ultimately, and uh, and that law is money laundering. And, And another one is promoting gambling. Those are both federal laws. But state laws are also very important, and that's why the state authorities get involved.
0: But why is it so hard to prosecute
2: online gambling? It gets prosecuted all the time. It's just that what they do is they clean up the guys on the street, um, uh, get a few uh, pleas, uh, forfeit some money from these people. And then the, uh, the back end of it, which would be the equivalent of the guy in the green eye shade mm-hmm. back in the old days, right? Used to be you could, ra- wait, uh, you could raid the wire room, get him too. Now he's in Curacao mm-hmm. or he's in Costa Rica. He's out of the reach of law enforcement. And in those places, um, this kind of activity is legal.
0: Yeah, You want to add anything, Chris?
2: So
3: why wouldn't they put the servers in Costa Rica or Curaçao? Uh, you can get high. I, I heard about your latency comments before, but, you know, there are 10-gigabit links now where even if my servers were in Curaçao, uh, it would be acceptable latency for somebody in New Jersey on a phone. So why wouldn't they just relocate their servers outside the United States?
2: Excellent point. But everybody's got to make a buck, and a 10-gigabit link is, is a big overhead to have. And uh, you, you cannot guarantee that that will always be up from Curaçao. Let's go to Paul from Brooklyn. Hi, you're on the air.
4: Uh, Yes. You know, there was a, a question before about uh, you know how do these uh, companies uh, make money, and uh, the answer was simply well they don't make money. Well, 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 they may not be profitable right now, but people don't understand that um, all of these uh, gambling and sports uh, uh, betting and and fantasy uh, situations um, there is a a ten percent, um, I think that's the right uh, figure, uh, uh, takeout you know supposedly for their profits and expenses and uh, young bettors don't understand this in so many situations, whether they're walking into a, a casino or, or whether uh, they're betting on, on these fantasy uh, situations, uh, that, of course, uh, a fairly high percentage uh, is being taken out of the, uh, the betting pool uh, because uh, uh, that, that's what uh, these companies uh, are, are, are doing. Uh, they're, they're, not, they're not running uh, uh, nonprofit organizations here.
1: Uh, th- yeah, that's correct. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the percentage is that they take out, but they do take a, a part of the, the betting pool. That's mm-hmm. how they continue to operate. That's how they get their money to, you know, to uh, to advertise.
0: But uh, I gather uh, this is similar to what we've seen with any number of other online businesses. They're making their they're, they're uh, trying to build themselves up so big. Uh, after all, Amazon didn't make a profit. For a very long time, I'm and not I'm sure not they sure still they even do. do. Yeah, uh, that uh, you just keep on trying to get bigger and bigger, and then eventually assume that you're going to rake in the big bucks. Uh, but do you think that's going to happen now that they're kind
1: of in trouble? I'm not sure that their uh, projections, um, uh, as fanciful as they were, are going to come true after all this, because based on people that I've talked to there are um uh serious efforts to try and, and regulate them in different states which could you know cause them to you know not make as much money as they intended
2: yeah and there's a bit of a parallel here with online poker which was also huge at one time and it, uh its downfall began when it was discovered that um some uh, one side had software that allowed uh the operator to see the whole card in other words it wasn't fair for all a lot of prosecutions followed, and a day called Black Friday kind of brought the industry down. Not saying that will happen here, but parallel.
0: What about uh, the, the countries that uh, sometimes uh, uh, these these sites are located in? Uh, do they have laws about
1: gambling? They do, and in, invariably it's legal there. And there is a persuasive argument uh, in the minds of some people that the best way to deal with all this that we've been writing about is to is to legalize it and regulate it because you know I think as is our evidence is, shows in the, in the article that you know regulating the internet without you know uh, you know the kinds of uh laws you need uh, is very difficult and you write a few experts warned that the rapid,
0: unregulated growth of fantasy
1: sports might prove it's undoing I think that all the advertising that we've talked about. Really, that that sort of war of advertising that that we've been seeing brought so much attention on them that I think it made legislators uncomfortable. And and that, uh, I think, uh, started in part this new uh, effort to to reexamine whether fantasy is really uh, gambling or not. In your reporting,
0: you also object to the claims of American prosecutors who say that offshore gambling sites are
2: beyond their legal reach. Well, again, what we found is that um, many, if not most, of the sites do have a digital presence in the United States. Now, not all um, law enforcement um, agencies in the United States have the tools to find those, Uh, but I think that's spreading, and and maybe they'll read our articles and get a few ideas.
1: But are you arguing, uh, Walt, that... uh, we should legalize gambling? I'm not arguing. I, I don't think... Uh, I don't really... You know, as a reporter, I'm not making a, uh, paid to make an opinion like that. But, but I'm we, just we, you. we have some very mixed messages, don't <laughs> we? On the one hand, we say gambling's bad, and then
0: we allow more and more casinos to open up around the country. It's not just in Nevada and, and Atlantic City uh, anymore.
1: I, I, I'm saying that there are smart people and people who deal with problem gamblers, young problem gamblers, who believe that if gambling was legalized, it would be easier to regulate and easier to protect young people. We hear the same argument with
0: drugs and all sorts of other things. We do. And yet we resist all of them, but gambling perhaps less because the same states that uh, are making gambling illegal, as I said, are getting a lot of money from uh, the casinos that open up now, the Catskills, are going to be the next place where we're going to have a major outburst of,
1: of uh, casinos in, in our area. There's no question that gambling is spreading, and it's one of the reasons why we're now having a, a renewed discussion about whether it ought to be legalized. Did you
0: participate
1: in the creation of the Frontline documentary? I did. And when is that going to be air? A uh, couple months um, I don't work for Frontline, and I know there are hard workers over there, but I'd love to see it as soon as they're finished. And
0: are there going to be things that we haven't discussed, revelations that we haven't discussed?
1: That's correct. None that you're willing to share with us right now? No, my friends at Frontline would not like me very much if I did. What about your next article? Uh, in a couple of
2: days. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned for that. <laughs> I have to have you back for that? <laughs> Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll unveil another chapter in the investigation. I think what we have found in doing this—you mentioned the drug trade—that's that's, that's a, a similar business in some ways, the business model, but um, it hasn't been looked at as much. Uh, that is gambling, uh, and I think that. Well, as maybe there's medical gambling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, if you have some money you really need to get rid of, and you'll feel better afterward. That's the way to go.
0: But right now, uh, what is the current situation? or Is this an industry that's in flux?
1: Which industry? the, uh, the Fantasy uh, sports yes. or just gambling in general? Oh, it, it's definitely in flux. I mean, there are multiple investigations. The New York Attorney General has asked for records. Nevada has ruled it illegal. Other states are evaluating whether fantasy should be regulated. And, and so, yes, it's, it's definitely in flux.
0: I can only imagine what people who uh, fantasize the Mets going to the World Series have earned. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody expects those things, and uh, that's part of the fun, isn't it, that um, the the people who are always predicted at the beginning of the season are really the ones that wind up winning at the end of the season?
2: Well, I, I know in 2005, when, when my team, the Chicago White Sox, won it, my brother was in Vegas, and he... And he Took out a hundred dollar bet at, at something like 80 to 1 odds, uh, and uh, I won. But I, I liked having a ticket so much, I never cashed it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I would have cashed it. Um, Walt Bogdanich and James Glanz, their article, Cash Drops and Keystrokes The Dark Reality of Sports Betting and Daily Fantasy Games, is in a recent New York Times. Uh, more to come, and um, I can only imagine. The scandals that you are uncovering here, and there's also uh, a frontline television show that on PBS that will deal with this. Um, I'm looking forward to that. So, thank you both so much for being on our show today. Thanks a lot.